are we gamifying life? This seems dangerous, but kind of cool. Could you get paid for having sex? I don't know. I'm just like starting to think about all these different possibilities. <laughs> you could, and Adam, if you just, tried. You know, Adam, I mean, that's well, already yeah, I guess possible. That, that is that's just already, that is already people do that. I know. I know. I don't, I don't know what that's called Monkeys or do what that. that is. Monkeys but. do that, Adam. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Basic Podcast. It's Brent Philbin here. We're going to have Kareem Baruch and Adam Levy on the show. And today we're going to be talking about a couple ways that you can make cryptocurrency that are a little bit different than mining or buying or something like that. Our first way leads to a pretty long tangent. We thought this was going to be like a 20-minute episode. It ends up being pretty long. So yeah, the first, it's pretty tangent-filled, but it's a fun tangent. We talk about Pokemon Go and all kinds of other incentives around advertising and pulling your your attention in different directions and the scariness that that may end up bringing out. We start with earning cryptocurrency while walking, and then our two follow-up ways to earn cryptocurrency are way towards the end of the episode, so definitely stick around for those. This isn't one of those like clickbaity episodes. We just each kind of picked a way that we liked, and we talked about it. Nothing revolutionary here, but... It is a fun episode to hear our tangents and what we end up doing. So enjoy this fun episode of a few different ways you can make cryptocurrency that are not going out and buying it or getting it on exchange. And of course, we have no referrals or skin in the game on this. So you can rest assured we check our biases at the door. Enjoy the episode now. All right. It is another episode of the Crypto Basic Podcast. Adam is here with his unique ways to find crypto in unknown spaces. And Kareem is here to tell him why it should probably not be Tron. (laughs) Yes. Well, hello, Brent. I'm open-minded. I'm open-minded. All right. He's open-minded. So I found this article on Decrypt. Decrypt, they're like my news source. I just go there. I like them. I like the, the layout. And they were talking about this app called Smiles. S with a, a lowercase S and a capital M. Oh, uh, yeah. S miles. Got it. Yeah, S miles. Oh. And because S is in Satoshi. So going deep. Yeah, I know. Basically, the, the S miles app will let you earn Bitcoin for simple everyday activities such as walking or playing games. And I mean, it's going to be based on the Lightning Network. And I am just kind of, you know, I, I saw this and it got me thinking, you know, it's it's a simple thing, you know, oh, I'm walking, I'm getting paid. That's cool. But like, that's just seems too easy. You know, well, I'm sure I'm I walk curious. all the time. I should be rich by now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is this like Pokemon Go? Like we, we can we can go and we can walk and we can get eggs and hatch them. But they're Bitcoin instead of, you know, little monsters. So the CEO, actually, it's, I guess this guy named Igor Berezovsky, definitely pronounced that right. Like, oh, Igor. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He wants to start this app to make people healthier, wealthier and happier. Such a like catchy little, uh, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. he came up with that himself. He uh, went to marketing school for sure. He's got his mission down. We should figure out our mission someday. But, 
you know, in the meantime. Yeah. So he's starting this. He's funding this book with his own money. And then like, I guess like friends and family putting it in. Dear God. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is that he was like the CEO of some other app that he's made before that aggregates all chat apps. So it's like if you're on Telegram and, and Discord and you can all see in one place, I guess it's kind of useful. But so he just wants people to earn money for doing very menial tasks. And I'm curious, you know, like there was a, I think an ICO, remember Gems that came out that was going to be for a mechanical Oh, that, that ended up being a scam or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> RIP gems. Don't they all? Don't they all? But he basically just wants people to perform very normal tasks and and give motivation for, you know, by earning money doing it. So uh, I have a few questions. A, I'm not really sure. It didn't really explain how, why he would be paying people to do this. You know, like, like, and B, is there a a way to actually make it so that it's useful to pay people to do certain activities. Like, I guess in a way you're getting data from where people are traveling, what people are doing. And then you can either, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, I guess maybe he might want to sell that data or he can just use the data to then have ads that are targeted to these people on that. So I'm curious what you guys think of some sort of paying people for doing tasks like this. So it sounds super cool to just get Bitcoin for walking, right? So I think the the moral that we're looking for in the story here is when you see something like that, you have to figure out what your trade-off is. Clearly, nobody's going to make any money off of you walking. There's no value trade there. So if if I'm walking and losing weight, the only one that benefits from that is me, which is nice, but nobody is that benevolent with their Bitcoin. So you have to think, what is this person's business model? Where are they going with this? And my guess would be if it's an app that tracks you walking, it requires GPS. It requires tracking. Yes. And it's providing an incentive to have people have it on all the time. The same way you've got your step counter on. You get If you're somebody who looks at your smartwatch and you're like, oh, look at how many steps I did today. And you don't have that smartwatch on when you go for a walk, you want to kill yourself. You're like, oh, no, my steps, they didn't count. But they basically don't even exist. So it would create like a psychological feedback here where you would feel like you needed to have it on at all times. You wouldn't want to just have it run only when you have the app on. You would want this to count every single time you walked anywhere. So I think what he's doing, and and this is just my guess, and I'm sure Kareem will have his own thoughts on this, is that he's trying to incentivize somebody to do something with Bitcoin that he believes he can mine data off of. And then once he has an app that incentivizes that he can pick other things to incentivize people with. So if he needs people to go do a review of a place, or if he needs somebody to go do a, um, a secret shop or, or whatever, there's a bunch of other tasks that could be assigned to a giant group of people that have all of their data leaking. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely really interesting. Um, the first thing that came to mind was actually a article you covered a few weeks back, Adam, where you talked about like, I want to say maybe, or maybe I put it in there, but you had some interesting thoughts about it, but it was about Microsoft developing a patent that would allow essentially a cryptocurrency mining system that was based off of body data. Remember oh, where it could like, it, it could like determine if you were looking at a particular thing um, so yeah, anyway, going back to this, cause it's interesting that they're using the term Satoshi's, right? Because that means it's not a self-contained blockchain. 
right? The only scenario Which is I could a big plus. Right, it's a big plus, but it also creates a new question about where the value comes from, right? Because let's say, let's say hypothetically speaking, that we created a blockchain that uses movement to secure the blockchain. Like somehow the data from movement was used to secure the blockchain itself. And then you could be a miner by participating in securing the blockchain by moving. And every time you moved, you were somehow helping to secure it. Well, that could be kind of a self-contained virtuous cycle. And then the question becomes, how many people participate and how many people value the currency that is being created? But at least the currency kind of has its own explanation. Like you're securing the blockchain by participating in movement. Here, they're saying, hey, if you go move, we're going to give you wealth from a different blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain. It's external wealth. So then the question becomes, how is that external wealth coming in? And I would have to agree that the most likely scenario here is that this is essentially taking the role of like a payment processing system for something like a Mechanical Turk or ads, right? Like, or... You know, something where somebody can say, hey, we, we need this to a bunch of people and you can sign up. And it's like, it's not that different than the Amazon Mechanical Turk, but instead of paying you with dollars, it's paying you with Bitcoin. That's something that would come to mind, you know? Right, yeah. exactly. This would be something where you are clearly trading your data and your self for value. Maybe it does start off as completely, you know, him being benevolent to acquire users, which could be an interesting piece of the puzzle. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit antithetical to crypto in general to leak your data like that. But, you know, you got to get those Satoshi somehow. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can see it's kind of a simple way to start. Okay, so you get people to start walking, cooking, driving, whatever. And you're now getting the the information, the geolocation, you know, they, they geolocate. You on the app, you get all this information where they're going, what they're doing. Now you can finally tune the advertising, which I feel like that's got to be the biggest point here is that targeted ads really are insanely good. Uh, you look, go on Instagram and you're scrolling. I, I try to resist, but sometimes they'll just be a really good targeted ad and all of a sudden I'm buying stuff. So. <laughs> You know, like 99% of the time, you're not going to buy some, but that 1% is enough for this to be maybe useful to people to get on board and, and want to advertise on S smiles, smiles. Well, think about this. If you're a business, you could put yourself on there as some sort of milestone location where if somebody goes there, they would get a little bit more Satoshi or something or more points for going and checking in at your location forget if they buy anything but they go there they check in and then all of a sudden ah you know what this coffee looks kind of good and then they buy it and you don't know which was essentially the pokemon go model right brent i mean like some coffee owner would just pay money to have some rare pokemon or whatever i didn't play it but it would essentially i don't think they did that my understanding of pokemon go of one of the monetization models was that like you could create I don't know if it was a rare Pokemon thing. Maybe that's the wrong example, but let's say like uh, where you can like recharge or basically something that was game related could be purchased by somebody who was a business and located right in front of their business to drive traffic. So I, I remember Charlie trying to buy a Pokestop in the beginning of this. Our, our buddy Charlie who owns a. Do you mean uh, Pokemon or do you mean po- Poke as in Tuna? I'm just, sorry. No, no, Poke still like they're <laughs> called Pokestops like in the okay. game. So when the game first came out and it went viral, right? It basically wasn't a fully formed game. 
and their developers kind of like shit the bed on that huge user base. Like, I think all of us probably used Pokemon Go at some point to at least check us out. Maybe not Kareem. He's kind of like, you know, <laughs> too cool for that. But definitely me and Adam pulled the app up at one point there during the World Series of Poker that summer. It was like when it came out. So everybody in the poker room was like flicking the balls at the at the Pokemon on the tables. Right. So at the beginning, it was just go to these interesting places and you spin the thing and it tells you, OK, you get like this many coins for your Pokemon or whatever. And it would be like a picture on the wall or it would be like a statue or whatever. And then Charlie like reached out to them and tried to get them to sell him Pokestop and they said no. So they may have changed that. You oh, may be able to oh. buy them now. Yeah, or maybe that's where I remember from. So this doesn't have anything to do. I mean, it. It's affiliated, but it doesn't have anything to do specifically with Pokemon Go. But have you ever used Snap Maps? I've seen the Snap Maps, yeah, where you can like see who's posting on Snapchat and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but I think that this is—it's kind of like a little bit of AR as well, kind of like Pokemon Go, where you know now you're just on this, you know, in this kind of world where you can see where. I mean, it's it's real, but you can see where everyone is. You know, if they put up their little like uh, I forget what Bitmoji. Like if the, if the Bitmoji, yeah. you, you know, you and you can see where your friends are and stuff. And yeah, it's cool. But what I love about that idea is exactly what Kareem was saying, was I think at some point, not not only are you gathering information about what your users do and where they travel and, and you know, what they may, might purchase, but you can now have these kind of like, you know, all of a sudden just up, oh, you're walking near. Uh, I know you like buffalo wings and all of a sudden you can just be like, all right, discount on buffalo wings at this store. You're walking right past and it can be like a push notification or something. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of interesting that Kareem is basically saying that's what Pokemon Go kind of wanted to do. Maybe they never integrated it. And I believe that that is what Snap Maps is kind of trying to do. And it's just an interesting kind of model that seems to be popping up uh, you know now we've got three right here that seem to just be kind of popping up so at some point i think an app like this will really succeed i don't necessarily think it's going to be smiles but (laughs) right right it might be smiles and it could be anything the thing that gains the users is the one that will both be successful and be scary so now think about this from a kind of a nefarious point of view if you are able to de-anonymize that many Bitcoin wallets by tracking the person, the person doesn't even need to provide a GDP or uh, what? Sorry, not GDPR. The other one. Um, GPS. KYC data. Oh. If you know exactly where they they live, you know, like, you know that this wallet, this person goes back to this house every night. Like, you now know that this person lives there. You can de-anonymize yeah. those wallets a lot easier. So a pseudo-anonymous Bitcoin blockchain becomes less and less pseudo-anonymous with more data points, and this could provide that as well. Which we were kind of going down that path already, right, Brent? And and your point really holds because we know that the way that they do find a lot of these addresses and connections is by almost like triangulating through the blockchain. Even if they don't Mm -hmm. have specifically the address that they need, they can look at relationships between addresses. So yeah, this is that's a perfect example. If you have that much more information, that much more data points, even if it's small, you could kind of see where it's moving. Right. So his target customer may not even be an ad platform. His target customer could be a government or something like that. You know, that it anytime you're leaking that much data, you gotta pay me a lot for that. You know, hopefully. Or give me a great service. You know, so, I, I wanna go ahead and play my quick not doomsday role, but like 
even though I'm super pro technologist, just to emphasize. But again, you do have to wonder, like, the more, the better that data gets, data analysis and predictions, it's almost like you said, Adam, the ads are really, really good, right? And if you really think about it, we're still kind of in early stages of the potential of this technology. So if it's already really, really, really good, then what happens when it gets exponentially better? And, you know, without trying to sound dramatic, like, at what point is the knowledge of your response to rewards or incentives so good that it's almost manipulating you completely, you know, where we have very little uh, kind of willpower. Like it's already tough enough to navigate as it is. Now imagine just like perfect knowledge of your tendencies, your trends, your likes, your dislikes, what gets you going, you know? Again, I got to emphasize like the data, the Cambridge Analytica scandal wasn't just the fact that they knew what kind of shoes you like to advertise you, but that they were able to build psychological models. And they were able to say, this person is neurotic. This person has uh, paranoia trends. And therefore, uh, if you really want to affect them, hit them with this ad instead of that ad, right? Like this is more for paranoia people. This is more for the lone wolf people, whatever. So once this gets more and more powerful, it's almost scary that they could do that, right? Like you're walking through here and they're like, hey, 20% off this for you right there. Like at what point are you actually making the decisions? Yeah, Yeah. no. It's I I think about that a lot. Have do you ever log? I mean, I, Kareem, you don't use social media as much as maybe me and Brent. But do you ever just log on to something like so? Sometimes I'll be trying to find something out on Twitter, you know, or sorry, I'll be researching something. Oh, let me go to Twitter real quick. Uh, I'm gonna check that because I'll search, you know, in the in the search bar. And then all of a sudden, 15 minutes go by and I'm in a conversation about something that had nothing to do with why I was there. And it's because like whatever I saw at the very beginning of opening Twitter was exactly what I wanted to see, you know, right. or like 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 it wasn't what I was there for, but it was something that was very pertinent to my own uh, self. And the algorithm knew that. And all of a sudden, I just wasted 15 minutes on something that I wasn't even going to the website for. So it's kind of scary, like you're saying, and and it's hard to control that. And, and it, sometimes you just got to log off, I think. Yeah, but see, exactly. But because we, I feel like oftentimes when we discuss this, the part that's not taking into account is the your opposition in this, right? Like when we talk about social media addiction or the lack of productivity or all this kind of stuff, we only talk about it through the framework of willpower, right? Are you disciplined enough? Are you responsible enough? Do you have enough self-control? But it's almost completely ignoring that there are literally people who are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars because they have an expertise in human psychology and they are developing the most like efficient methods to grab your attention. You're not going up against a random distribution of entertainment. You're going up against like the cutting edge science of attention getting, right? So in the same way that like engineers at NASA are really good at knowing exactly what to do and how to figure it out and know we could tell what elements are in this planet, that same level of analysis and research and power of investment is applied to making you stay glued to that screen, right? So it's it's tough. It really is. And, and it's just kind of getting started. Yep. It pains me to think about it every single time I really go deep on that, which is why I think I sound kind of like a psycho when I'm talking about privacy being so important to most people. They're like, who cares? Like, why would you bother using <laughs> Brave or a VPN or any of that stuff? Because it, it is really hard to wrap your head around it. But think about this. The people who shared Plandemic on your Facebook, 
you knew exactly who they were. Like the first time you saw one person share that, you could probably immediately write down 10 other names that were going to share that same thing because you in your own head without a computer analyzing it, know what their psychological profile is. So once you get it to be even better than your head, which we know computers are significantly better at doing things than we are in many instances that it's not that difficult to know I'm building this, you know, conspiracy theory documentary. What are the best channels to get this shared by the most people? So I have this debate with a friend, actually friend of the podcast, Daniel Blum. He constantly thinks that we don't have free will. And regardless of if he's wrong or right, and I'm really kind of on the fence, I feel like I'm more on the we do. But at the same time, even if we do, we are definitely going down a path where we have less and less control slash free will regarding, you know, what when we're on the Internet. Like just like the the amount of things that end up make us go a certain place, a certain website is definitely getting uh, pretty intense. Kareem was the first one that brought that kind of thought into my mind, too. You remember, (laughs) I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, Kareem was like telling me, you know, you don't have you don't actually have free will because your brain is more like a computer. It responds to inputs and the way it's going to produce outputs is kind of based on those inputs and you can't really do a whole lot about it. Uh, And if you really kind of break it down to its super base, it's kind of scary. Like what part of you is the decision maker and the conscious mind and what part of you is just going along out of instinct. And one thing that I do love about gambling and how we are in like poker and stuff like that is if we did have some sort of predetermined role in life where our decisions were already made, we changed all of that the second we sat down to randomness. And uh, we no longer were on whatever that path might be because that damn ace on the river. (laughs) Maybe that's why people love gambling or poker to some extent or just like the fact that it could be a way out. I could win this. This could kind of change everything. Or also they like kind of like the idea that things are just random and they can't fully control it. They like that, that it's like. Kind of like, you know, like you can you can't control a lot of other things in life. But poker, you feel like maybe you can and maybe again, it's just kind of an interesting thing. I don't know. Look, and for what it's worth, like, I don't know if necessarily I would really still make the hardcore argument like, okay, we don't have free will. But I would definitely. Right. I agree with that. I would definitely encourage anybody who dismisses the question offhand to think about it more deeply, right? Because a lot of the ways in which we would express free will, if you dig down to the underlying like factors, you didn't have control over those, right? Like how you respond to adversity, how you respond to a threat. Well, like let's say that we're talking about somebody resisting eating a cookie, right? Just a real simple example. Well, it's not just, okay, there's your genetic factor of how, you know, how much you enjoy sugar, how tempted you are, how much you simulate. Delayed gratification, we've seen it in like five-year-olds. So we know that there's a genetic tendency, right? The very tools of discipline are determined by your upbringing that you also had very little of a role on. Was your dad a disciplinarian? Was he an ex-boxer, a military person? Was your dad not in the picture? Were you in a family with 12 brothers and sisters or single child? All of these things are like literally shaping the tools that you're going to use when you determine whether or not to eat that cookie, right? So 
I definitely think that there's some ways in which we clearly do have free will, but even that is really shaky in a lot of ways. There's not like a, you know, I don't know. It's, it's not that easy. <laughs> my, my, my position today is that free will is an emergent property of really complex systems, but that even wow. then. Wow. Free will is a spectrum, man. That, <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. Everything is a spectrum. Everything is a Jesus. spectrum. I didn't even say spectrum. Yeah, deal in absolutes like the Sith. That's true. Jeez. Anyway, okay, so we were supposed to have three examples of cool ways that you could earn crypto. We only got to one and we went on a super tangent. I'm going to bring us back and I'm just going to, since we were already talking about ads and stuff like that, if you want to expose yourself to ads in a little bit less invasive way, (laughs) our second way to earn some interesting crypto is Brave. Opting in to the ads on Brave and getting those delivered to you is really cool and it really is starting to change the way advertisers might think about looking at you. Brave does not let them have access to your profile. They aren't able to figure out that you're neurotic. They aren't able to figure out that you have those things. But Brave provides something interesting that no other ad platform can provide. I have opted in to seeing the ads from Brave. I've said, yes, give these to me. I'm happy to take a look at them, which has not, if I'm running, if I'm using this Bitcoin walking app, and I start getting hit with ads, I didn't tell them to please serve me ads, or no, don't serve me ads, I would rather not see them. Uh, Brave is giving me, and let me uh, me tell you how much money I made off of ads this month, one second here. Brave is giving me an amount of ads. So in May of 2020, I earned $8.97 of US dollars on watching ads. That pays for my Netflix. Like, I am totally happy to let Brave show me ads, especially because they're kind of like tangentially related to me in the tech space. And I'm happy to let them show me ads for the price of a Netflix subscription. Totally cool with it. So that is a cool way to earn Brave. And then there is a little bit, I I think maybe that might be a little bit high because I think the podcast gets a dollar or two a month from just people kind of coming to the website, but it, it isn't much. So you could probably expect to do six or seven US dollars worth of ads each month if you were using Brave as your daily driving browser and browse as much as me. Do you guys both use Brave? I, I have glitches with it. So I, I use Brave. I it says update and then it just doesn't. It just like goes back, says I need to update again once it restarts. And then I need to update again. And I'm like, OK, like I don't have that much patience for when, when I already like Google Chrome. Like, I'm not going to try that hard if, if you're going to keep glitching on my computer every time I, t- I, I download <laughs> it. So. Well, if it keeps glitching, then yes, that makes it not. Uh, and uh, as an update, it's the 14th of the month when we're recording this episode. I have earned $2 so far this month. So wow, 10.2 back. So I do, I, I guess in, in closing, this was a pretty interesting conversation, to be honest, for just a, such a simple app. But I, was, I started thinking about the future, you know, and like we're doing already. But is this going to make users lazier, healthier? Could there be like maybe a, a beta test for a video game that you're now getting paid for? I'm start, you know, it just seems like a new way to get customers, especially with quarantine now. This could be kind of a new way to get people like a, a new kind of like what yeah, walking outside, not the number one way to generate users at the well, moment. Yeah, maybe not walking outside, but if you know, staying at home and cooking or something. And then I was like, could you be like, are we gamifying life? This seems dangerous, but kind of cool. 
Could you get paid for having sex? I don't know. I'm just like starting to think about all these different possibilities. <laughs> you could, Adam, if you tried. You know, Adam, I mean, that's well, already yeah, I guess possible. That, that is just already, that is already people possible. Do that. I know. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't know what that's called monkeys or do what that, that is. Monkeys but. do that, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The first thing monkeys did when they figured out what money was, was prostitution. prostitution. <laughs> what? Is that is that a real No, yeah, yeah, thing? yeah. There was like a study where they were trying to teach monkeys how to use money. So they were giving them these like coins and and exchanging it for food and it was like, "Oh, okay, a berry's worth this much and a grape is worth this much." They were just trying to see like how the monkeys did it. And then one of the monkeys ran up to another monkey and and gave it money and they thought that they were witnessing the first case of altruism. But then the money the monkey receiving the money turned around. <laughs> <laughs> they did their thing and they parted ways, and the researchers realized, ah, it was the first profession. <laughs> this is definitely and the best thing I've learned all year, probably. The monkeys also pulled like a heist on the on the money, <laughs> like the, the the trinkets that they found that they could trade for the food. They stole them from the handlers that were trying to give them to them. So they they like like attacked them and like got the bucket of trinkets, and <laughs> it was kind of nuts. Like they had to shut the whole experiment down. This was. I didn't know that All, part. Between the monkey prostitution and the heist, I think that the prostitution happened after the heist. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, it was an interesting story. It was really cool. Anyway, so that was Brave and the future, and I agree that there is a, there's a dangerous future, there's a not-so-dangerous future, and we got to shape it into our direction. Finally, one more thing that popped up yesterday on Reddit, another cool way you can earn crypto, is Reddit now has its point system live on a blockchain so on reddit you've got karma which are these meaningless internet points right everybody like makes fun of that but like your account gets like more noticed if you have more karma and you can go to different subreddits if you have more karma well reddit is putting those points on blockchain now they're not fully out rolling it out yet but in the r cryptocurrency subreddit they are doing it in the beta so it's only live on the test net but right now you can earn what's called moons in the r cryptocurrency subreddit and it's based on your contributions to the subreddit. So each month, whatever amount of karma you get in commenting or posting or talking on that subreddit, you get that many tokens sent to your Ethereum address that are called moons. And it only works right now on the testnet. So they're not like actually using gas and that kind of thing. But Reddit has already said they're going to pay all the gas fees for all the transactions. So it's super interesting. Another way that you could... Like, I feel like if there was any way to trade karma right now, it would be worth money. It, it isn't possible to trade it, but no, it maybe is. you can. It is indirectly, right? In the sense that, like, we know people sell old Reddit accounts that have high mm-hmm. karma ah. so that they can be used for other stuff, right? So it's essentially right. a sale of car- of karma. And then do you even have karma? Because you oftentimes you wonder, like, why do people waste their times like doing all these just trying to get literally just trying to get points by like reposting or copying other people or whatever. And the reason is, well, you know, you could build a bunch of profiles with a bunch of karma that gives it credibility and then sell that. And somebody who's trying to do like an AstroTurf campaign can pay very mm-hmm. little money for an account that appears to have been a participant for the last couple of years. What I'm hoping is that this is a pivot into a way to prove an actual identity on blockchain. So I, I'm excited to see Reddit get involved with that, especially if people, if that just means 300 million users end up with Ethereum addresses. I don't know. That's big. And they're like, I made the address and they give you the option to back up, you know, your own seed phrase and everything. And I even imported it into MetaMask. But in the app, they're just like, if you trust Reddit, we'll store it. 
in the same way we would store your password. So you'll always be able to access your wallet as long as you can log into Reddit. So it's interesting. It's pretty cool. And Reddit is like kind of the hub of cryptocurrency activity. So anyway, it's going to be fun to to watch that. So stay tuned to that. Join our cryptocurrency and you can get yourself some moons. That's pretty cool. So I, I want to throw this out there, guys. We haven't done Flagship Friday. And I our feedback has been amazing on these more targeted, specific episodes. People love them. I don't see us going back to Flagship Friday. But here's what we're going to do. If you're interested in the type of content that we were doing on Flagship Friday, that is now the title of our weekly or maybe biweekly, depending on how lazy I am, uh, newsletter. <laughs> so the newsletter will be Flagship Friday. What you can expect is five-ish articles throughout the week. It'll have our categories that are our signatures, the bullish or bullshit category, the that's a scam category, and just the standard stories throughout the week with a little bit of commentary from me on them. So if you're missing kind of our news commentary and what we think about the articles and us taking apart the articles and telling you how stupid the writer was for making that title, uh, you can get that by going to CryptoBasicPodcast.com slash newsletter. Sign up there and you'll be getting that every week. Flagship Friday. So don't hesitate. And also join our Discord. Lots of interesting discussions there. And a lot of the, the podcast stuff that we do gets discussed there first before it actually goes on on air. So so please join us. And then finally, Patreon members. Still working this out, but I believe we've got a new perk for you, which will be related to Flagship Friday. And I'll have that finalized for you by the next episode. All right. Anybody got some parting uh, parting thoughts here? Well, I will be interested to see what transpires with all this i think it's pretty cool pay adam satoshi so he can have sex (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah guys adam wants to get paid to have sex so ladies out there that are listening to the podcast i'm just saying opening oh no 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 that was just my overactive (laughs) brain at work i thought it was kind of funny It's not your fault. It's a base instinct, like we said with the monkeys. It's You're just, it's, officially <laughs> soliciting on our podcast for Satoshi's. Right. Got it. <laughs> so the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors, and I don't think we want to be prostitutes either. It's called escorting. Yeah. Jesus, you guys Man. are cavemen. <laughs> just uh, you know, so uh, the Crypto Basic Escort service will not be launching unless we make a new tier of Patreon or something like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keep listening to the podcast, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.